Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, here we are again. In your presence, we shall be changed. We are believing that your spirit will minister to our deepest needs. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please resume your seats. I said we would read Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 30, throughout this mission session. Romans 8, verses 28 through to 30. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You know, verse 26, he says, we don't know even how to pray. But here he says, we know that all things work together for God. Yes. 29. For whom he did for know, he also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Amen. This evening, I want us to walk through the struggle with sin. Justification and sanctification. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul proves that all Gentiles are sinners. Verse 24, 26, 28, he says, Therefore God gave them up to do things which were not convenient, to a reprobate mind. In Romans chapter 2, the apostle proves that even the Jews who judge other nations and look down on non-Jews, are also sinners. So he concludes in Romans chapter 3 from verse 10 to 18 
and verse 23 that there is none righteous. No, not one. And that there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall, fallen short of the glory of God. And standing in need of God's help to come out of sin. In Romans chapter 4, he uses the example of Abraham's justification by faith. In Romans chapter 5, the first 11 verses, he explains the result of justification. And from verse 12 to the end of the chapter, he makes us see that just as Adam was our representative and he fell through disobedience. In the same way, Jesus also is now our representative and he won through obedience and righteousness. Now, Romans chapter 6 needs to be memorized by every serious Christian. Because he traces our union with Christ and how the power of sin was broken over our lives. Romans chapter 7 dwells on indwelling sin and its power. And in Romans chapter 8, he explains life in the spirit. The overcoming, victorious Christian life. Romans chapter 9 to 11, he works on election and predestination as pertaining, first of all, to the Jews and those of us Gentiles who believe in Christ. So, from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11, he deals with doctrine, teaching. In Romans chapter 12, from chapter 12 to chapter 16, he now begins to say, because of what God has done for you in Christ, this is how you should. So he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, I will tell you two examples from my life about how I struggled with sin. The first one was biting my fingernails. I used to bite my fingernails when I was a student. Then I became a pastor. And I was biting my fingernails. Then I became the Volta Regional Pastor for our church for 12 years. I was biting my fingernails. Then I became the national head of our church. 
and I was still biting my fingernails. So I went and cried to the Lord. I went on a seven-day fast and said, Father, I don't see how I'm pastor. I'm biting my fingernails. And because of that, four of my children out of the five were biting their fingernails. And daddy could not say stop because daddy himself is doing it. So, after the seven day fast, stopped. And I came to church and I gave a testimony. Everybody rejoiced with me. After two or three weeks, it came back. And this time, I wasn't only biting my fingernails, I was biting the flesh. So, one night, I dreamt, and I saw myself biting my fingernails until blood was coming out. When I woke up, I knew it was demonic. And the battle began in the name of Jesus. And until when I went to Mauritania, one night, the Lord woke me up and said that. This biting of fingernails is in your spirit, man. If you, you wake up in the night and sit before me every night, I will uproot it and it will stop. So, every night, whenever the Lord woke me up, I will sit before him. And after about two or so weeks, it left never to return. Now I don't bite my fingernails. The second struggle I want to tell you about is with impure thoughts. Now I shared with you how I stopped chasing girls. And because of the years of masturbation and girls, my mind, even though I was born again, my mind was dirty. And even when a lady is reading the news on the TV, in my mind, I strip her naked. That's how far I went. So immediately I saw a lady and she was improperly dressed. I was, I go gaga. So the battle began. My mind. So what the Lord did for me was, he told me for 10 years not to read any other book but the Bible. And I obeyed. But, in addition to that, I noticed that my heart was not correct. Whenever I see a beautiful girl, then my heart will be making crudo, crudo. I thought that if I got married, it would stop. After marriage, it didn't work. A, you say A. How? So, I saw that 
I had to take extra steps to memorize every single Bible verse that deals with last. Job 31 verse 1, Proverbs chapter 6 verse 25, 26, Matthew 5, 28. I, I, I just memorized all of them. So that immediately it started, I will use it to perforate that thought and idea. Then I started putting some other hedges into place. When I'm watching television with my wife, and I see any of these commercials, and ladies are not properly dressed or something, I put off the TV. I bought it with my money. Why should it tempt me? Till today, I don't allow any lady into my bedroom except my wife and my children. Never. I never. And I told my wife, if any of your lady friends visits you and has to be dropped, if you won't sit in the car, I won't pick her. If I don't know you as a girl, whether it's raining, if I'm passing by in the car, I won't pick you. Even if I know you and I feel I'm alone in the car, it's not safe. I won't pick you. You can rot. Now, it took me some years, but after some time, I got the victory by impure We have been talking about reflecting God's glory. I tried to convince, persuade you that Jesus is the manifestation of God's glory. He, he reflects God's glory. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says he is the outshining, the effulgence of God's glory. And the, the exact expression of God's nature. Jesus himself said in John chapter 12 verse 45, Anybody who has seen me has seen the one who sent me. He said in John chapter 14 verse 9, Anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. He said in John 10 30, I and the Father are one. So, if you want to reflect God's glory, then you need to be like Jesus. Today, I want to bring out the struggle with sin. And my desire is not so much to preach at you as to bring out from the scripture what you and I have to deal with. Our theme passage, the Romans 8, 28 to 30, mentions justification. And justification 
is a big word which you can break up for yourself into. Just as if I have not sinned. That's all. Just as if I have not sinned. That's the meaning of justification. Now, how does it play out? Justification says you cannot save yourself. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 34, anyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And from the time when Adam and Eve fell into sin, five things happened. Number one, we became enemies of God. We, we are now without God and without hope in this world. Ephesians 4, 18. And John 3, 36 says, The wrath of God, the anger of God is resting upon us. Psalm 7, verse 11. God is angry with the sinner. Isaiah 48, verse 22 says, There is no peace says my God, for the wicked. Ezekiel 18.4 The Bible says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul that sins shall die. So, God is against sin. But the second thing that happened to us because of sin is that we became slaves of Satan. 1 John 5.19 says, Little children, you are of God and you have overcome them. But the whole world lies under the power of Satan. Ephesians 2.2 says that the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, is the one working in the children of disobedience. There is a spirit at work in people who disobey God. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that the light of the gospel will not shine to them. Matthew thirteen nineteen says, When anyone hears the words of the kingdom, the gospel, and doesn't understand it, Satan comes to remove it from the person's heart. And Satan has access to the human heart. John 13, 2. Satan put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. That's how bad it is. 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. Paul says, we wanted to come to you in Thessalonica, but Satan stopped us. So, our sin has not only made God angry and leave us, but has made Satan have dominion over us. But the third problem we've seen is that we inherited a sin nature which makes us always want to sin. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our human nature became so corrupt. Romans chapter 8 from verse 5 to 7. He says that the flesh 
is in enmity with God. We consider God our enemy. And we don't want to obey him. We don't want to submit to him. We don't want to listen to his laws. Everything in us rebels against God. In addition to that, the law of God is against us. The righteous law. In fact, Romans chapter 7 verse 12 says, the law of God is just, is good, is holy. There's nothing wrong with God's law. But we are sold to sin. And because of that, God's law, God's just law, pronounces us guilty, judged. And on judgment day, the law of God will rise up and judge. So, we have problem there too. But the final problem is our own guilty conscience. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked man flees when no one is chasing him. But the righteous is as bold as a lion. So, even if you are given 10,000 years to save yourself from sin, you can't. You can't. You can't do anything about yourself to become better. All these motivational speakers who say, you can be anything you want to be, provided you want to be, you can be, you can do it, you can. That's why we call it motivational. It's not salvation based. You see? Motivational speaking can never make you arrive. Because inside you is a basic problem. So, what God did to help us is what is called justification. The first step he took is that he sent his son Jesus. And Jesus walked on this earth for 33 and half years and never committed sin. Hebrews 4.15 says he was tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. First John chapter 3 verse 5 he says, we know that he appeared to take away sin. In him is no sin. First John chapter 3 verse 5 and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sin and in him is no sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He who knew no sin. And 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22 says that he did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Jesus himself in John chapter 8, verse 47, challenged the Jews. He says, which of you convinces me of sin? And there was no answer. So, God took Jesus, who never sinned, and he was slaughtered for you and for me. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have taken everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The first thing God did, was to put our sin upon the sinless Jesus. And 
declares forgiven. Forgiven. Then the second thing God did was to take our sin and put it on Jesus and take Jesus' righteousness and put it on us and pronounce us as righteous as Jesus. Let's read that one. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are reading verse 21. Yes. For he hath made him to be sin for us. He made him to be sin for us. He made him to be sin for us. He made it to be sin for us. Notice, he did not make him to be sins. It is the sin nature. You see, if you pluck all the mangoes on a mango tree and throw the, uh, the mangoes away, you are not doing anything. Next mango season, it will bring forth mangoes again. Therefore, right now, if they take you and forgive you all your sins and wash you well and perfume you, nothing has been done because the sin nature is there. It will still bear sin. That's it. You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. So God did something for us. He pronounced us righteous with the righteousness of Jesus. Did you finish the Second Corinthians five twenty one? No, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Who knew those sin? Yes. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's all read it together. Go. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This transaction is what we call justification. God has pronounced you righteous, just, before himself. Some Christians stop here. They say, oh, is that it? Then finish. God went ahead because now you have found favor with him. He decided to accept you as a son, a daughter. And because of that, he put his spirit within you so that you can call him Abba, Father. Let's read the Galatians chapter 4. To read verse 5 to 7. Galatians 4, 5 to 7. Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. Yes. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Yes. And because ye are sons, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Because you are... You see, it is not anything you did. It is what God did. He sent his son. He put your sin on Jesus. And forgave you your sins. Then he put Jesus' righteousness on you. And said, oh, how beautiful. How righteous. 
Now I declare you righteous. You are my child. And because of that, he put his Holy Spirit in you so that you can now cry, Abba, Father. This is what you call justification. Because of that, you can now have peace with God. Let's read the Romans 5, 1. Romans 5, verse 1 at this point. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We now have peace with God. We now have peace with God. All this is by faith. Some Christians argue that because of what Jesus has done, then let us sin so that grace will abound. Let's live anyhow. After all, it doesn't matter why I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God has washed my sins. In fact, last time I was at KNUSD, somebody told me that one of the doctrines which they were preaching was that because Jesus has taken our sins past, present, and future, a Christian should not confess his sins. Why are you confessing your sins? Your sins have already been taken past, present, and future. What is your problem? But this brings the next leg of our Christian journey. That is what we call sanctification. Becoming more and more like Jesus. Every day until we see. Now, unlike justification, which is what God does for us. In sanctification, there is a part you have to play. And I want to spend time to argue this out because all of us lean to one side or the other. Some people believe only they should wake up and, and struggle to please God and change. Some people to believe, oh, God has done it already. What's your problem? For me, I don't see why I should even worry. I don't see why I should pray and fast. For me, I'm just relaxed because God has done it. The truth is, you must do both. And that is what I want to spend the rest of the time to convince you about. Now, sin, particularly some small, small sins in your life, we call them besetting sins. Look, they are determined to take you to hell. So they stick to you they cleave to you, they cling to you, they are glued to you, they are nailed to you, they are riveted to you, and all that they do is, every day, they want you to commit that sin. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 4, says, if you don't fight sin to the point of shedding your blood, you are not saved. Hebrews 12, 1-4 Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. There is a difference between weights and sins. Some things in our lives are weights. 
It's like you've been invited to run a hundred meter uh, dash. And you are in high heel. Then they say on your mat, get set, go! And with the high heels. And you fall three times, you spit out four of your teeth. And the high heel shoe is a weight. It's not a sin. You are allowed to enter the race with your high heel shoes. So some things we do, like watch television so much, you didn't have your quiet time today. Oh, you've been on WhatsApp. That's why you didn't have a quiet time. You didn't pray. Oh, in fact, you were so, uh, you know, busy listening to Chatawali that uh, you, you didn't have any fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's a weight. It's not a sin. But there are some things to which are sins, which are, you know, anger. Last, envy, telling small, small lies. You see? Uh, and so on. They, they are sins. They are not wits. So he says you should lay aside every wit and the sin which easily besets you. Yes. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Correct. Who, for the Joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. This is the verse I want you to notice. He says that. The way, you know, some people are like that. When your cat comes to your house. Oh, this cat. That trouble me. Oh, no. Then it will go around and come and sit on the bed. He said, this cat. Yeah, I said, no, go. Then it will go around and come and sit on the chair. And then he said, cat. Seriously, you, you won't win the battle against the cat. With, with, with that type of thing. It will not listen to you. It won't listen to you. He says that in your fight against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I thought I had overcome this girl's thing. Then one day I saw a lady. She was in my class. She was in the mass department with me. And I thought she was coming to my room. And then she went to another guy's room. And then my heartmate took her. And I said, ah! It means all this time there was something, I, I wasn't innocent. I went on a fast. And I went to the uh, Legon uh, Primary School. And I sat there and I said, Lord, the day I fornicate, just kill me. Just kill me. I, 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 but immediately I prayed that prayer. Something left me. And this is my 42nd year as a pastor. There is no rumor of myself being involved with any lady anywhere in Ghana or outside. My wife is here. 
The battle against sin demands a fight to the point of shedding blood. You know, Satan is said that if you can't die, he doesn't respect you. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony because they love not their lives to the point of death. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. You see, there is in Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 the Bible says, be faithful to the point of death. I will give you the crown of life. You know, if you are not prepared to die for your convictions, you don't mean business. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Be faithful to death, I will give you a crown of life. Be faithful to the point of death, I will give you a crown of life. Look at Jesus himself. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, he made himself of no reputation, and took the form of a bond slave, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 says, Though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. You see, the point is, without commitment to the point of death, Neither God nor Satan respect you. Because they feel you are not serious. And we used to have a dog in the house called Riri. And we, our house is very close to the main uh, Abri, Legon, Madina Highway. Riri insists that when I'm coming out of the car, it will come up and try to go like a motorcade in front of the car and be running. But that road, many dogs have met their death there. Because the driver's speed, I talk to Riri. I say, stop. Stop what you are doing. And immediately I close the gate, it will go around and then Get in front of the car and run. I really. <laughs> Some Christians are like dogs. You see, no matter how much warning you give them about sin, they just go ahead and do it. And Peter says in Second Peter chapter two, verse twenty to twenty-two, that you are not a child of God; you are a dog. Because only dogs go back to their homes. And only pigs, after they have been washed and perfumed, go back to the mud. You know? But it happened unto them, according to the true prophet, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mud. 
So, the second Corinthians 3.18, which we sang this evening, says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding us in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are being changed. We are being changed. We are being changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is passive. It means the Spirit is changing. But let's read First John chapter 3. We read verse 2 yesterday, but let's read verse 3 today. First John chapter 2 Chapter 3, verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. Yes. Thank you, Father. And everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Did you see that? Everyone who has a hope that when Jesus appears, you will be like him. You purify yourself. You purify yourself. You purify yourself. You purify yourself as he is pure. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 22. He says, keep yourself pure. Second Timothy chapter 2 from verse 20 to 22. You can read that one. He says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of silver and gold, but some of wood and some of earth. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. Okay. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself, if a man therefore purge himself from these, purge himself, purge himself, there are certain sins in your life. God will never lift a finger to help you. If you yourself will not rise up to do anything about it. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. We, we just finished reading Second Samuel in the house. And from chapter 1, all the way to chapter 10, you see David climbing up. He was anointed king in Hebron, king of Judah. Seven and a half years, he was anointed king of the whole Israel. Then he brought the ark, and then he, his battles, and the Lord was with David everywhere he went. But side by side, David took more wives and concubines. And David took more wives and concubines. And God was looking at him. <laughs> yes. Until chapter 11. When he saw Bathsheba. Bathsheba. And invited her. Slept with her. Killed Uriah. So because of David. Women shouldn't have their bath. You see. So. The truth is that. If you don't want to do anything about your, your life, Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 says, As we have these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of flesh and spirit and perfect holiness. 
in the fear of God. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What I want you to notice, let us cleanse ourselves. You see, Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12 says that, the grace of God which has brought salvation to all men, teaches us one lesson. To say no to ungodly lusts. See? I would have loved the NIV, but it's okay. For the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men. And verse 12. Yes. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You see? Grace teaches us to say no to certain things and live soberly in this world. You can't be under grace and be sinning. Then which, which grace is it? Which grace did you receive that, that does not teach you to be holy? That does not teach you to clean up your life? I want to finish this session by talking about our union with Jesus and the indwelling presence of God. Now, God has given us resources as Christians to be able to battle with sin, resist sin, break away from sin. And the first is what Romans chapter 6 describes as our union with him. In Romans 6, 3 and 4. And let me have six gentlemen here. That's the only way I can finish this thing in time. Six, six gentlemen. Please stand so that they can see you. Thank you. Clap for them. Jesus did six things which are very clear. Jesus was crucified. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was buried. Jesus resurrected. Jesus ascended to heaven. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God. Now, look at what God has done. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, and Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. He says, when you were baptized, you died with Christ and you were buried with Christ in baptism. Knowing not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
So you have been crucified with Christ. You died with Christ. You were buried with Christ in baptism. Now, Ephesians 2, 5 and 6 takes off from there. And says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, but God made you alive together with Christ. And you were raised together with Christ. Now, you are seated together with Christ in the heavenly place. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Yes. Even when we were dead in sins, yes. had quickened us together with Christ. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Yes. And has raised us up together. He raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, even though you are seated here, you are in the eyes of God, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. God did this because without that, you can never break from the power of sin. So he explains in the Romans 6 and the beginning of chapter 7 that slaves of sin, now we are slaves of righteousness. We are also to present our bodies to God. And we are now married to Jesus. The rest, I'm just quoting for you. Galatians 3.27, he says that as many as have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ as a dress. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, the power of sin has forever been broken over your life. Pride has been broken over your life. Love of the world has been broken over your life. Uh, Galatians 6.14 At the cross, you were crucified to the world, and the world was crucified to you. Then, curses on your life, from your father's house, your mother's life, house. Galatians 3.13 and 14 says, they were broken over your life. In in, in order to get his point through, God made our union with Christ so real by saying, go for water baptism. That's the proof that you crucified with Christ, died with Christ, were buried with him, you have been raised with him. Now, you ascended with him, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, it means no Christian has any right to sit in sin again forever. But that's not all. If you can be patient with me for a few minutes. Another thing too God has done is to make your body his temple. His dwelling place. So, God the Father lives in you. First John 
Let's read First John chapter 4, verse 15. I, I think I will release them. Please, clap for them. When you remember the six of them, remember your union with Christ. Yes. The resurrected Lord Jesus. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Whosoever, 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 whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in you, and you dwell in God. Say, God dwells in me. And I dwell in God. Philippians 2.13 says, 12 says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. But the 13 says, for God is at work in you to will and to do according to his own pleasure. So, as you sit here now, God the Father dwells in you. But not only that, Jesus. Jesus. The resurrected Lord Jesus dwells in you. That's the Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But I like John 14.23. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. My Father will love you. And we will come and make our home with you. God the Father and Jesus, they come to make their home with you. First John 4.4. 4. He says, you are of God, little children. You have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As if that's not enough, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, what? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit have in you? You are not of your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus said in John 14, 17, that the Holy Spirit is with you and shall be in you. Please, allow me to finish. You can. Three of you, please. So this is God the Father. This is the resurrected Lord Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit. Now, everywhere I follow me, the Bible is saying that every Christian, every child of God, this is what happens every day. You are going for lectures. You are in the trotro. You are in the kitchen. You are in the washroom. If any Christian fails in life, you have yourself to blame. Because every resource heaven can give you has been made available. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 say, let your mind be free from the love of man and be content with what you have. Because he has said, never, 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 never will I leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we can boldly say, 
The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? My sister, you don't need to sleep with that young man for him to pay your rent. You don't, you don't need to. God is your helper. You don't need to put you to a lecturer so that you will get an A for your GPA. You, you, you don't need to. Young men, you don't need to watch that pornography. No matter how many, if it pops up 100 times on your screen, click it off 101 times. We are going to get up and I want you to deal with your personal sins. Your besetting sins. Things which nobody ever knows you are committing. Things which, whenever it's communion, that's the first thing you confess. Things in your life which, when a preacher mentions it, you say, hey, but some preacher to say this is not a sin, then you must know you have a problem there. If it's not, if it's not a sin, then leave it. Please stop it. What's your problem? You see, if you, there is anything in your life which you know that this thing, I keep doing it and I'm doing it, then you need to watch yourself. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 to 31 says, if we keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins because you are insulting the spirit of grace that is in your life. And trampling the Son of God underfoot. And saying His blood is nothing. It can't wash this kind of sin. You know? The way you got up yesterday, that you were prepared to die. To be like Christ. You have come to the practicals today. I want you to deal with sin life. You see? For some of you, it's just worldly music. Eh? Why should you be listening to Shatawali? And afterwards you can say, Oh, holy, holy. What? You see, for some of you, you yourself, you know. Incest, you know, things you are hiding, you don't want anybody to know. Because they are besetting, they are things which have held you prisoner. This night, you are breaking free. You are breaking free. Because you are in union with Christ. And the indwelling presence of God's Spirit and God the Father and Jesus in your life. There is no resource which has been spared. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, gave him up for us freely. What else is there? Shall we be on Thank you. This time, we are not singing, we are not rejoicing, we are repenting. We, we are telling God that from these missions, I'm stopping this thing. Yes, I'm no longer a slave to sin. Jesus set me free.
He broke the power of this anger. That when you get angry, it's like hernia. You are throwing tears at people, slapping people, and when it's over, you say, oh, sorry. You know, meanwhile, you are an elder in the church. You see, that anger must go today. In Jesus' name. And then, those who lasting after girls, when a girl is passing, God has made you inspector of girls' breasts and, and, and girls' buttocks. That's all you look at. I, I, you, it must go today. It must drop today. And anything you see that, no, this is Satan trying to rule my life. You, if you dream and you, in the night you see yourself sleeping with girls, it means that in your spirit, man, you haven't won the battle. That is why in the night, girls come and sleep with you. Or you are a girl. In the night, you see men coming to sleep with you. It means in your spirit, man, you have not won the battle. Tonight, we are winning that battle. Yes, let's begin to pray. Just begin to, yes, lay hold of the blood of Jesus here. Yes, is it telling small, small lies? Is it secret pride? Yes. What is it? Is it wickedness? Is it jealousy? Amen. Amen. Please, I'm not saying this for everyone. But if you personally feel that your problem is an addiction or your problem has been long-lasting or your problem is one that you need help, you need a second person to pray with you, then you can come forward. I'm not talking about everybody. If you can handle it yourself, you yourself, you know you can handle laziness. You don't need extra prayer. Those who come forward, it means that you 
tell yourself, I need help. I need help from the Holy Spirit. I need, I need help. I need somebody to pray with me. Those are the only people I want forward. Yes. Means, okay, I, I suppose you understand. Means it's a challenge you are having with you yourself for your Christian life. You are telling yourself, no, this thing must go. And it must go today. I'm breaking its power. It's chain. It's addiction. I am, I am shattering the, the cause of this over my life today. And I'm just coming forward because I want somebody to pray with me. Yes. That's, those are the only people I want to come forward. If you can handle it on your own, you yourself, you know that this thing, um, I can fight it and get over. They are not the people I want forward. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son, if the Son, if the Son Jesus shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Every shackle, every chain, every weight. Yes, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Yes. Kikama kakianda laba, habega kima korianda, kikama habega kima korianda laba kashakianda. In Jesus' name, please lift up your hands and just say this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, you came set the captives free. You died on the cross to break every power of Satan, of curses, of addiction, and of slavery over my life. Today, I lay hold of the blood of Jesus over my life in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I break every chain every addiction every enslavement every bad habit over my life in the name of Jesus I died with Jesus I was buried with Jesus. I rose with him. Therefore, I come against every slavery in my life. In Jesus' name. Lose your hold over my life. Lose your hold over my life. 
lose your hold over my life and go in Jesus name yes blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus the powerful blood of Jesus the powerful blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus setting you free the blood of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus be loose be loose be loose be loose be loose be loose I break the chain I break it over you in Jesus name 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 yes yes loose Lose your hope. Lose your hope. Be free. Be free. Be free. Be free. Be free. The power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. As each of them go back, as that a new inner strength be given them to empower them for the battle. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.